to the show this is sports with strawberry ice i'm your host the ice man jeff trunnipal and as always i bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of cincinnati ohio home of jackpot joey burrow and the afc north champion cincinnati Bengals. who by the way in my opinion i think right now have a better owner than the cincinnati reds just saying now do me a favor if you found the show hit that like and subscribe button smash that thumbs up you guys are awesome this has been an unbelievable week I'm at 1,570 subscribers. Like literally last Friday, I was at 1,545. I'm at 1,570 and a little less, a little over a week. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, if you're watching and you're not watching on YouTube and you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, do me a favor. Go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button hit the bell for notification. And every time I go live, you'll be notified also exclusively in the YouTube chat crew. We're doing super chats. So if you'd like to support what I'm doing or you want to make sure your question or comment that you have for Bengal Sands or myself gets read, give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. What's up to everybody in the chat? We got Guzman. Uh, Wow, that's a, a weird name. Simple, Simpa Strong, I think it is. I'm sorry, Joe. What's going on? William House, Richard, strangers in there. And yeah, we got the usual subjects. I'm glad you guys are all there. I see we already got some questions about uh, T, Sir, T. Higgins and all that stuff. And, and some questions about the uh, Reds and Bengals ownership. Well, let's get to all that here in a minute. I'll bring in Mike Santangela, Bengal Sands on Twitter. 
He's a great follow. Go check him out. He writes for all Bengals, and he's on Locked on Bengals at least once a week now, I think. Here's Sands. Sands, what's going on, brother? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Good, man. Just trying to do a just trying to do a po- podcast here in the nice uh, rainy day here in Cincinnati, Ohio, as we uh, kicked off baseball season. Yesterday, we had opening day and all the stuff going on, and Phil Cancellini couldn't have ruined it any more than I think he, he could have. I mean, he actually made Mike, not that Mike Brown's a bad owner, but for all the years that Mike Brown went through all the stuff in the 90s and everything, he never one time came out and said anything like Phil Cancellini said the other day. But Phil Cancellini came out and pretty much gave – in my opinion, the middle finger to the fan base. And I thought that was a kind of interesting way to start the season. And I'm a little upset about it, but they're not. How you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. I don't really follow uh, baseball very much, so I don't have to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. So yesterday, again, with the um, Reds at, or Bengals at the uh, Reds opening day, Jackpot Joe Burrow 3D opening day pitch out and uh, people saw T Higgins in the sling. And I've reached out to a couple of different people and pretty much from what I've heard is it was from his injury that he injured in the Chicago Bears game. He had to get it cleaned up and uh, he should be back on the men. Is there any other information you, you know about it than other than that? No, he was spotted in that sling a while ago, but it got deleted. And I actually had that same injury just from playing pickup basketball like four years ago. And uh, yeah, you could do everything with a torn labrum. Like that's why he's able to play. I mean, it, it's painful sometimes and sometimes it could pop out of place, but you're perfectly fine. Same with uh, Logan Wilson had the same injury, I believe. And it's also one Baker Mayfield had. So pretty common. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, you, you could do everything. It's about a three, four month recovery from what I remember. Somebody could fact check that, but it's not <laughs> like uh, it's not like an ACL or an right. Achilles injury he should be fine at the start of the season, even though he got the surgery so late because of the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Yeah. Um, from from the person I, I reached out to said, yeah, he'd be, he'd be good to go by the time uh, the season excuse me, rolls around. But you know, he had, he had this thing called the Super Bowl. He had to play. in, so, yeah, it took, it took a little longer to get the surgery done. So I, I think we'll give him a pass on that, but we got the, the draft here less than what two and a half weeks. It's finally it's get, starting to get closer. Um, and, I know we've talked about this at nauseum, um, but th- to me, it's it's coming down to three guys. That sounds like one of the three most likely will be there at 31. You got uh, Tyler Linderbaum. You got uh, Elam and Booth from Florida and Clemson. What's, I guess the question is if, uh, let's just say it's probably not going to happen, but just say all three of them are there. Which one would you take if all three of them were there and we're, we're talking best player available and these are the three three guys that I keep hearing the most. If those three are there, which one are you taking and why? Uh, me, I think I'd go – I've thought about this for a while, but I think I'd go Linderbaum just because I have the highest grade on him and part of me thinks just, just take the guy that you think has a good chance to become a Pro Bowl, all-pro type player. And uh, even though whatever positional value, whatever you think about all of that, there have been – studies done that show that cornerback the well a very hit and miss in the draft in the first round and b a lot of times you're not getting a real good value on you get value but you're not getting the same value you get at some other positions just because cornerback market itself isn't super inflated um see jason jackson one of the best cornerbacks in the league if he was an offensive tackle he gets 25 million he's a corner he gets 18 so that you could buy corners still without it being too much money. And um, as much as I like those two, and if Linderbaum isn't there, then those are immediately who I'm looking to. And if neither one of them's there, then that becomes an issue. But I think one of them will be there. I think 75% chance or so, maybe, that uh, at least one of these three will be there. I don't think all three will be there. But No, no. <laughs> no. Always nice to have a the three options rather than being forced into one of them. So you take your favorite, but I think all three are great. I'd take Linderbaum. Yeah. I mean, it might be just one of them is there and it might turn out none of them are there. So I guess that comes to another point. What if none of them are there? If none of them are there, you got the, the kid, the kid Petrie from, from, uh, from uh, uh, Baylor, who I think's a pretty good one who could also play uh, safety and corner, but I don't know if he's a, a first round great or not. Um, who do, what do you think they do there, or, or would they just trade back? You always try. I think you'd always try to trade back in that scenario, but sometimes teams don't really care about 
sometimes teams just aren't interested in trading with you for whatever reason. Maybe they uh, don't really have any prospect that they're looking at, even if there's some quarterback there, whether it's Desmond Ritter or whoever else, there's usually a reason they fell because that team wasn't that interested in the first round. So, um, yeah, there's, I don't know the I, you'd try to trade back if that doesn't work out. I think it'll, I think you'll still be a defender, but if somebody like Kenyon green or Zion Johnson falls, which I don't think Zion falls, Kenyon green could because he didn't test like an elite athlete he just tested like a pretty good athlete mm -hmm. so i think he could fall and then maybe you take him uh there was that mock where george Karloftis fell all the way to 31 you take him but if neither of them are there either then you have to end up looking at some of your uh tier two tier three type guys maybe that's jalen petrie i haven't watched him to really have much opinion or daxton hill and lewis scene and jaquan brisker all those safeties you could take one of them uh, I just watched Logan Hall. He's good, but I don't think he's round one. I think he's round two, but you might have to reach because he fits a need. He's There's nobody you want that's a BPA-type situation, so I don't know. And Travis Jones, probably the same situation there. He's another defensive tackle. I haven't watched him yet, but he'll probably be just outside of what, be, what you want as like a BPA, but he fits a need, and you kind of just have to bite the bullet if all your guys from the Tier 1 and maybe the Tier 2 are gone. Right, exactly. And then one thing you brought up too is is uh, that cornerbacks, if you draft them at, in the first round, haven't always lived up to that. I mean, the Bengals last two down, you got Drake Kirkpatrick, Kirkpatrick. You know, say what he, what you want about him, he was an okay cornerback. He was an elite quarterback, quarterback, cornerback. And then you had, um, oh my goodness, I forget his name, the kid from uh, Michigan State um, that we drafted, the cornerback there that uh, didn't play very much. I cannot remember him. It was a couple years later they drafted him. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, anyway, those are two guys that they drafted in the first round in the last uh, couple of years, like back when we were going to five straight playoffs. And neither one of those guys panned out as you know top quality cornerbacks. So that's where I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on on the cornerback situation. And for me, as a, as a Bearcat fan, I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan. I, I've asked everybody that comes on the show this that, that are studying the draft and everything. Where do you have Kobe at on this draft? I mean, I, I think if you get him in the third round, I think it's a steal. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't looked, but um, Dark Horse Bernard, that's his name. <laughs> yeah, I, his name. I haven't. I haven't watched uh, Kobe. I was planning on watching him and Sanders at some point. I guess I'll watch uh, Sauce too, but probably not too much, just because I'm like, yeah, no chance he falls. No, <laughs> no, yeah, he, he might be going to top five, man. Yeah, so I haven't watched him. I hear round three, round four is probably fine, and to me, that's fine i think round three is maybe a sweet spot for a tight end if you don't want to get uh, one of the guys at round two so you you'll probably have a pick your litter of uh, a bunch of pretty talented guys that maybe aren't the uh greg dulcich or the trey mcbride but pretty good guys so yeah i i think uh round three round four sounds fine to me I, i'm not opposed to it yeah, I'm just I'm just a big I'm just a big uh, uh, Kobe Bryant fan, so that's that's where I'm at on that. Uh, Bill Jordan here says, Mike, do any of the safeties Hill, Brisker, Kine, uh, maybe even Petrie possess the traits to play post safety? If if so, who and why not them at 31? Why not them at 31? I've watched one game of Petrie, and I think you, if you're imaginative, maybe you could see it. He was used a lot in the slot and on tight ends, which is useful, but that's what they also brought Trey Flowers in uh, right. for. So I don't think, I, I don't know. That one's a little bit of a projection. I haven't watched Scene yet, but I watched uh, one and uh, I haven't watched Hill either. So Brisker, I have watched him, watched two games. I think we're, we're all getting off to a late start. The season went so long, so we haven't been able to, to watch as much stuff as we normally do. <laughs> yeah, I don't do full-time draft. I just started right. after the season, and honestly, after free agency too for this mm -hmm. season. I didn't even get a head start because right. it was right in, I think, a week or two weeks after the draft, like free right. agency basically started. So Brisker, I think could. I think I think Brisker would be at his best playing half the field or playing quarters, that type of thing with the Bengals do. And once in a while playing post safety in like a single high system. I think he could do it. I think he's not the super athlete some people look for, but I think he plays 
a lot of heart. He has good ball skills. He can track the ball in the air well. He has he breaks up passes. He I've seen him roam sideline to sideline uh, as a post safety. So there's a lot of stuff in there that I think translates to him playing some post safety. But I do think you'll have to uh, you won't be able to rely on him the same way you can Jesse Bates, and especially maybe later in his career, but definitely not early on. Right. Uh, now I give this uh, Michael Ruffin here. He said, uh, "Who is your favorite tight end?" You did mention tight ends there. Who, who would you like in the draft? Greg Dulcich is my favorite. I think he's the one that actually looks like an elite athlete on the field out of the guys I've watched and uh, awesome run after the catch ability. He had this play against LSU where once he gets drafted, that's going to be the first play that <laughs> that's going to be the first play that um, is going to air. Uh, it's going to be him juking out one guy, running over another and getting into the end zone from like 60 yards away. So <laughs> he's awesome. I think he's got run after catch hands, He's not the greatest blocker right now. I think he has to put on probably 10, 15 pounds to really be a good inline blocker, but I kind of think Hayden Hurst isn't the best blocker either. Right, um, right. So he kind of fits if they want a guy to replace Hayden Hurst eventually. I think this guy could do it and be better. So that that's what I look at. That's what we got Drew Champ for, Mike. He, he's the blocker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully he sticks around for cheap. You know, he gets to just be a blocker, maybe a, a fullback on some plays. But, uh, yeah, if you're looking for a blocking tight end, Dulcich probably not the guy you're looking for. But I don't think very many of the tight ends I've watched are good blockers. I haven't watched a guy people say is the best one in uh, Kate Otten. So I'll get around to that one. But I, a lot of them I'm like, yeah, I mean – it's okay. There's not a there's not a Rob Gronkowski or George Kittle in this draft to me where you get a guy that's basically an extra <clears throat> offensive lineman along with being an awesome receiver. All right. Uh, Guzman here says there's good value for defense line in a Delante Wyatt, Trayvon Walker. Anytime you can pluck a D lineman from Georgia, monster D line is an upgrade. Uh, in my opinion, there's no way. I would love to get Wyatt. There's no way he's going to be there. I, I mean, I don't think I would. Doing what 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 uh, uh, Joe Goodberry says not to do. There's no way that guy's going to be there. I, I don't think he's going to. I I think they're going to be gone before they get to 31. Both those guys. I would love to get either uh, uh, Walker or Wyatt. That would be awesome. But the chances of them being here, if they are, I'll, I'm taking one of them for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, the same thing I said about Sauce Gardner. I'm just not watching those guys because they're not falling. I mean, Trayvon Walker is starting to get rumored that he might go one overall. So he's not going to be there at 31. So, wow. and uh, Davis, Davis too, throw him in there. The big mm -hmm. nose tackle, tested like a freak. He's not going to be there, but I'd love him. I'd, yeah, would love Wyatt. The only reason he could fall is because he's older, but I don't see it happening. I, I, I think people are going to really value it. Now, I, I, I have a question. I want to get back to, to the three guys that said at the beginning of it. And um, Elam is the one that I, I get the most difference of opinion on, on him as far as his ball skills, his cover ability, and the, the penalties. He got a lot of penalties in college uh, this, this past year. Where are you at on Elam? Is he uh, – You have I think you have a, as a first-round uh, a grade, but, but is he potentially – the potential there to, to fix his, his problems you think that he has. Yeah. And uh, I like Elam more than I like Booth, which I think is um, not what everybody thinks. I think yeah, that's it, it goes, it goes have, I, I've had people here like Elam. I've had people like Booth. Like I said, it's, it's very, but Elam is the one that people are like, yeah, I'll get him or no, that dude's trash. He, he should be in a you know, third round or something. It's, it's, you know, you either like him or you don't. Yeah. I really like him. And I think, uh, I think there's, I think it's fixable because I think a lot of times he grabs guys. It's almost unnecessary. Uh, it, it's just not like a panic thing, but just he likes to play physical. And sometimes these guys break, they start getting away, and he already has his hand on them. And instead of letting him go, he ends up uh, grabbing on, getting a little bit of jersey or something. Or sometimes he, like I said, he plays physical. Wide receiver pushes, he kind of pulls. And the officials, they don't see that as an equal reaction. They think wide receiver pushes, that's okay. Cornerback pulls, pass interference. So <laughs> that stuff happens. I think it's fixable. I think a lot of these Florida cornerbacks have had this issue, and some of them it, it's fixed. Joe Hayden, some of it's not fixed. Um, try to think of uh, uh, C.J. Henderson. He got traded for nothing. He was a second-round pick, but I think Elam's better than him. I, I don't know if he's better than Hayden, but I think he's better than Henderson, and he's got the uh, athleticism that tested, too, so you don't have to question it. And he, I think he, I think he's just a good corner. He does a lot of good stuff in press. He had a very difficult role at Florida that should translate to the NFL, playing a lot of different coverages, man zone match, all this type of stuff. So 
I think he translates uh, very well to the NFL, and that's my guy. I think it's fixable. I think most of his issues are fixable, so I, I'm into him getting picked. But I think Booth is in the same tier. I love Booth yeah. too. I'm not going to yeah, say I, I don't. I don't think you can go wrong with with either one of them. I think, and like you said, it's crapshoot when it comes to cornerbacks anyway. And, and, and honestly, if 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 an offense lineman or a defense lineman is not there, I, I'm 99 sure they're going to go a cornerback or. Or it could be a safety, but I don't know. I mean, there's only one safety, I think, in this draft that's really worth, that I've seen, worth a grade of a, of a first round, and that's a kid out of Notre Dame, and I don't think he's going to be there at 31. Is there any other safeties that you might want to grab at 31 if that's an option? Just uh, a lot of the guys that were mentioned earlier, Petrie, Hill, Brisker, they're, they're probably reaches at that point, but at the same time, if that's the best you've got on your board, that's the best you've got on your board. And if nobody's going to trade down and help you out and get some extra value with it, then it's kind of got to deal with it. Uh, yeah, so right. I don't know if they're worth it at 31, but that's the issue with picking 31 is that 30 teams chose the person before you. Exactly. Now, William House here has a question. He said, would you trade up for Linderbaum? Bong. <laughs> I think the the last team I'm really that worried about taking Linderbaum would be uh, the Titans at 26. So if you really, really love him, and I do, but I don't know if I would trade up personally, but I'm not opposed to trading up to 25 and just jumping them. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe you get jumped at 29, 30. The Chiefs have back-to-back -back picks. Or if somebody trades down and they look like a prime team that could take that could use a Tyler Linderbaum, like, I don't know, maybe the 49ers or something. I don't right. know. They don't have a first-round pick anyway. so Yeah, they um, traded them all away for the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, so the one they didn't play. Right. Uh, but uh, the, the if if a team that you think might take him ends up in front of you, maybe you, I don't know, skip the skipper and, you know, you jump right. them. Right. Uh, but personally, I don't think there's a lot of scenarios where you trade up to get him. I think you wait, and if he falls past Tennessee – you can start writing it in. Don't write it in Sharpie because somebody can still jump you, but right. start writing his name in, in pencil and ready to turn the card in. Yeah, and the thing is, I don't think the Bengals are – with what the moves that they did in the offseason with the, the offensive line, with Lyle Collins, with with Kapka, with with Karras, I don't think they, they're as, oh, my God, we have to sign. We have to go get this guy. You know, If he falls to him, I think they'll take him. But I don't really necessarily see them jumping up because I still think they believe in Jackson Carmen. And I am I am with them. I, I'm not against opposed to Jackson Carmen being our, our left guard and being, you know, either him or Deontay Smith, you know, fighting out for, for the left guard spot next year. I'm not opposed to that because that's only one spot, you know, that's and, and you're not trying to fill it in with a rookie. You got two second year guys battling it out, and you hope that they take the leap that Logan Wilson, you know, took that the, a lot of guys taking their second year. If they're going to be good players, they usually make that leap in the second year. And that's what I know you're, we're hoping, and the Bengals are hoping with, with Jackson Carr, regardless if they, they draft Litter Bomb or not. You want those guys to make that leap to get better. Yeah, and I mean, Jackson Carmen came in pretty raw, wide hands, didn't have great footwork, uh, a lot of issues, and they didn't really look fixed his first year. And look, uh, the, the team trajectory is kind of what sucks for uh, Carmen. If this team was middle of the road, you probably just slot him in to start again next year. But since he's not, uh, since this team is not middle of the road or just barely contending for a playoff spot, they just went to a Super Bowl. You kind of can't just bank on Jackson Carmen improving. And right. uh, maybe some people are saying like, well, yeah, but what if Deontay Smith improves? And I agree he could improve too, but it just, it's just, it's just, uh, you can't bank on these rookies just getting better. And right, if they get right. better and they knock somebody out of the starting lineup, they do that. But you want to have five at least decent players in there. And I wouldn't say anybody that was playing in those spots this past year was really decent. Right. Below average is probably the nice way to say what they did. I mean, I, like I said, my, my guy is Linderbaum. If, if they get him, I want him. I mean, I, I want him on this because that would give us, in my book, five studs. You you easily move Ted Karras over to left guard, which he actually plays better at left guard than he does center. So that move right there, I think, improves your, your line. And Linnebaum is – I think there's a chance that he – there's a good chance he could drop because he's only a center. Because, you know, he's he's only – he's really good in zone blocking schemes, which is not everybody does zone blocking schemes like the Bengals do. So he's a perfect fit for the Bengals. But there's, there's other teams that do the zone blocking and everything too. But some people don't want to spend a first-round pick on a guy who's only a center. But – in my opinion, if he's only a center and he's only an all-pro center, then sign me up. I'm I'm good with that. You know, I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. 
Yeah, I mean, where where would Jason Kelsey go in a redraft? Probably top 10. So right. if he was in this draft and you knew he was Jason Kelsey, which I, you can't say about Linderbaum. I'm not saying he is Jason Kelsey, but you have an all-pro center. They go top five, top 10 of you know he's going to be an all-pro. And even if you think there's just a chance, which is what Linderbaum is, a lot of people have him as a top 15 center, a top 15 player in this draft. So he falls because of the value of center, or at least what, what teams may think of center. But you know, he's he's a certain fit, but he fits what the Bengals like. So that's the certain fit thing doesn't matter for this team. Right, exactly. Uh, Grizzled Wizards is asking here, so the Bengals could really use a guy like Taquan Thompson, or Thornton, sorry, in the first. Is that a good idea? I don't know the guy. Do you, do you know who he's talking about? I, I, I don't know. Uh, quick Google says he's a wide receiver, so I'm going to go with no. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, let's go with this. Another uh, a new comment here from Miz, I guess. Uh, Mike, what do you think about trading Jonah Williams? Could save salary and free up spot for Isaiah Prince to start. Went toe to toe with Von Miller in the Super Bowl. Is this a serious question? <laughs> <laughs> this this, uh, this got to be a joke, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Maybe. I, I Go ahead. Uh, to, to entertain the thought, if uh, Charles Cross falls to 31 and uh, then he somebody gets hurt, you stash him and somebody gets hurt and he plays as well as Jonah Williams, then sure, trade him. But uh, don't. No, this is like a 0.001% chance of happening. And uh, no, I, I think you roll with Jonah Williams for the future. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, too, is, is they got to figure out this year if they're going to pick up that, that uh, fifth-year option on, on Jonah. And I, I'm a big Jonah Williams fan. I mean, I, I think he he let, I think you got to really look at this. He, last year was his really his first full year in the NFL. I mean, his his rookie year he was hurt the whole time. Last, the second year he didn't make it the whole season. Though last year his, was his first full year, and it's kind of like the same way with, with uh, Jackpot Joey Burrow. He's not rehabbing an injury <laughs> this year. You know, Jonah's just getting to chill out and relax and and, and concentrate on getting better this year. Same thing with Joe Burrow. They get to just relax. They don't have to to rehab. So that right there, I think, is going to make a difference in helping uh, the, both of them uh, get better here in the in the future. Now, uh, let's see here. Let's go. Mountaineer says, uh, "Do you think we could trade Tyler Boyd for draft capital?" Yeah, we could. I don't think we we should though. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, yeah, no. I I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, eventually, you'll get to the point where you you probably can't pay him T and uh, Chase all together. So. I don't know. That's why you scout wide receivers and say Olave falls. <laughs> All these scenarios. I take, take James in the house. Olave is going to be 31. <laughs> I'm not. Linderbaum's not there and uh, your corners get taken. And this is why Olave falls. Maybe nobody else likes him and he's your best receiver. Yeah. Take him. And you know, if you could trade Tyler Boyd for draft capital this year, or you just play Olave sparingly this year, trade Boyd next year. Sure. But for what I think is going to happen in the draft. No, you don't trade Tyler Boyd. Now this is an interesting one here. If I get back up to the comment, Grizzled Wizard, he said, what about drafting someone like Matt Corrales and making the Detroit Lions trade for him? I don't think the Lions would trade for him. I mean, I mean, put it this way, unless, and I love Desmond Ritter. But other than and Pickett is, eh, I don't think there's a quarterback out there that people are like, oh my god, I gotta have him. You know, I really, I mean, I, I think Desmond Ritter is gonna be a good quarterback, but I, I don't know what. What's your thoughts there? Um, the Lions pick next. Why wouldn't they just <laughs> trade up or take him? Right. <laughs> if they really like Corral, they take him at two. If they sure. if they didn't. Well, if they don't love Corral, but they like him, they'll take him at 32, but they, they're not making any serious moves to move up from 32 to get him. So you're not yeah. going to get anything. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if there is a quarterback in this draft. That's maybe Pickett, maybe, or maybe I say there might be two Pickett and, and, and Walsh, you know, maybe could be potential franchise quarterback, but there's, there's no Joe Burrow. In this in this draft, that's why I don't think I don't see people trading up to get these quarterbacks. Like last year, it was a it was a heavy uh, quarterback draft, and I I was of the mindset that there might be a chance that Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase might both be sitting there for the Bengals, you know, because I, I thought people would go up and, and and I thought Atlanta should have drafted a quarterback. To be honest, I, I've seen this last year. If you watch any of my shows from last year, and they went and drafted Kyle Pitts, and I said there's a good chance they they draft a quarterback. I bet you they wish they did now since they traded Matty Ice. But there isn't that those court they're good quarterbacks, but they're not outstanding. I, I they, they could turn into ones, but I, I don't know. What's your what's your thought on the quarterback class coming out right now? 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't see Kenny Pickett as much more than a uh, bridge quarterback in the NFL. And uh, Willis has the superstar potential. I think he could be amazing. He's got a great deep ball. He's super athletic. He's just not ready to start. Um, and that's the one that would scare me if you went to the Steelers, though, because they, you ride with Trubisky for a year and then maybe he's ready to go. And I actually think he could be good. And Ritter could be good, too. But none of these guys are guys that you in most years would be a first round guy. They're second round guys that you uh, would take and hope to develop. Right. Yeah, I, I think they all have a potential of being good. But they're not not like you know you're a plug and play any of them. I I don't think so anyway. Um, now you you said earlier as we're off the air as you uh, write for uh, allbengals.com, excuse me, and we have talked at nauseum about thirty one, and you're like I I can't write any more articles about thirty one. So you got a couple of different articles about certain uh, players com- coming up. Who, which ones you got coming out here? So I just did one on Jelani Woods, who a lot of fans love as uh, he tested as the most athletic tight end pound for pound (laughs) (laughs) as the most athletic tight end pound for pound in draft history, at least recent draft history. So I did an article on him the the the, uh, too long. Don't want to read it is he doesn't look like that when he plays, but hopefully he could eventually. And then. Friday, I'll have an article on Greg Dulcich coming out. These are start. That's my favorite tight end. Um, I think you could take him as early as 63 when they pick in round two, or you could take him if he falls to 95 in round three. And then Monday, I'll be doing an article on Logan Hall. So that's another guy. That's one of the guys that at 31, which I guess I'm still can do 31 articles. If everybody's gone, is this guy okay to take there and read Monday to find out? Sounds good. I'm sorry. I'm cracking up at this other con- the comment here from MZXX. The same one who asked that weird one before. He says, Joe Burrow seems to have developed an ego already. Should the Bengals move on before he turns out to be the next Antonio Brown? Draft the hometown hero, Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, now, no. I, I, no, I just, just no. <laughs> uh, now we got from uh, Alexis here. This is, uh, is, do you think there's any positions that the Bengals wouldn't draft? Yeah. Uh, QB. <laughs> yeah. We, we just looked at it. Uh, quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I don't think they're going to draft that. All right. Here you go. Uh, Vacry up. Bengals could definitely get on early one for Jesse Bates. And get a cheaper replacement in Daxton Hill. I don't think you can get an early one for Jesse Bates. I think they'd trade him for that if they could. Uh, if early one means like a top 10 pick, I don't think you'll get that for just him. Maybe you could trade your pick and him for a top 10 pick. But then the only reason you could do that is for Kyle Hamilton, right? You're not going to do that for Daxton Hill. Daxton Hill, you just take a 31 if he's there. If you think he's the replacement, you wait till next year. Uh, I mean, the team's ready to compete now. I don't I'm, I don't really vibe with the idea of just trading superstars and stars for uh, draft picks. That's a that's a move you make if you're not a good team. This team just went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I had a couple people ask me that about, about Jesse Bates and that if the Bengals might trade for him or trade him away and, and get a number one. I was like, I don't know if you could get a number one for him because he's just, I mean, he had he had a, a great playoff run. The season wasn't up to Jesse Bates' standard. And, and, and you know, the contract was an issue. And unfortunately, we're going to run to the same thing again this year. So we're, I'm hoping that he plays more like playoff Bates did and, instead of regular season Bates. Um, but uh, Ben Baby was on here earlier uh, today, and we were talking about that exact same thing. And Jesse Bates, there, there's a chance that he could get a uh, franchise tag two years in a row. I don't know if I think I, I could see them franchise. I know that he's going to play the franchise tag out this year. Well, they can't come to a contract uh, agreement next year. I could, I could totally see them tagging him and trading him uh, and trying to get something, something out of him next year. Yeah. I think that's a next year move. You want to try to run it back this year with better talent and see if you can get back to that Super Bowl and win it. And then, then you can start worrying about, Jesse Bates next year. And if you tag him, you just, you could just trade him immediately because you're not going to tag him a third time. You're so far apart in negotiations that you're never getting this long term deal done. Tag and trade right away. Worst comes to worst, he leaves and you probably get a third round comp pick. So no matter what, they'll probably be compensated for Jesse Bates. But if it was me and you wanted to trade him, you let him play this year. Even if you draft a th- safety at 31, they play enough three safety sets that you could play that safety early on. Um, and then you trade him next year. 
Yeah, that, that's gonna be an interesting uh, thing mo- moving forward. See, see how this negotiation goes. And I've kind of said this a couple times on here. That I think the uh, his agent isn't isn't doing right by him. I think he's trying to get, which I'm never going to be against any football player getting as much money as you can. I, I'm not get against that at all. I just don't know if Jesse Bates is going to get as much money as his agent is telling him he can. I, I just don't know because, like, like we just said, you know, if he's that good, then a team would trade a number one pick for him and they just don't do that for, for safeties. It's not that, that type of, of a position. And if you, like Ben baby said earlier today, if you have your, your front four going, your cornerbacks going, your safety should be there just for, you know, the, to plug the holes. It shouldn't be, you know, a, a dominant position as, as such. Uh, I think whatever you have if an elite talent, there's always value in keeping him. So I, I don't know if I agree if it's just plugging holes where Jesse Bates is probably a big reason why <laughs> Jesse Bates is probably a big reason why the cornerbacks that keep coming here keep having career seasons. You know, Chidobe Wuzier has his best season of his career. Eli Apple is True. no longer bad. And I think a lot of this is that they have an awesome safety behind them. Exactly, uh, and, and that's and that, that's a good point too. too. It, and maybe I'm I'm downplaying the effect of this of Jesse Bates, which I'm not trying to. Uh, I just I just the 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 Bengals don't pay safeties. That's more of the issue in, in, in their history. They they just don't pay safeties, but they never paid guards either. Which the funny thing is, they're getting props for for getting to to a guard in the center, but they really didn't ever overpay for him. Sands they really paid them you know, market value. And I, and that's one thing that they've been very smart about with their, um, the contracts here is, and they have to moving forward because we want them to this window to, to be as wide open as long as we can. And I think the contracts they, they've negotiated have been very, very smart ones for the, for the, for the Bengals. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that they like to find value in these guys and that's why they're not going for the, um, Brandon Scherf's and they go for an Alex Kappa and Lyle Collins. He was a value instead of getting well, my guy, Teron Armstead, who I thought, you know, he's, he was a value where he went, but getting Collins for half the price is probably even better value. Um, but hey, who knows? <laughs> I, I like, uh, I like what they did in free agency. I thought they got a lot of value. Exactly. All right, Sam, it's been on for about 37 minutes. I appreciate you. Tell everybody where they can follow you. And you already talked talk about your articles, but, you know, you're on Locked On. You're on all Bengals. Uh, whatever else you want to plug, go for it. <laughs> yeah, you can catch me on Locked On Bengals just about once a week, definitely once a week, maybe even more going forward in the next couple of weeks um, just because of the draft. And then uh, check out my articles on all bangles and you can find all of this because I promote just about all of it on Twitter at bangles underscore sands. Sounds good. Santa. As always, I appreciate you, man. Who day, who day. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Sands is a great follow on Twitter. He, he does a lot of good film study and everything. So check him out and check him out on all bangles and check him out on locked on bangles. Now I kind of want to get into this a little bit with the um, Phil Castellini comments yesterday on opening day and it, it was happening. I didn't hear about it till the game started and I didn't totally understand what they were talking about, but basically he said, you know, we're the owners, take it or leave it. You know, we can move the team, <laughs> you know, I don't understand what he was thinking. I mean, you have a fan base that's already irritated because it started in 2020. You know, you went and spent all this money in 2020 and got a World Series contending team. And I'm sorry there was a pandemic. You know, you didn't lose any money. You're not in the red. If you started losing money, you would have sold the team. Then you had had 19, where you had a a team who you didn't add anything to, but they fought their asses off, and they were in the playoff hunt all the way till about August. And you finally traded for some bullpen help, which is the biggest hole they had all season. But by then, it was too late. Then you roll into this year, and you don't even talk to Nick Castellanos' agent. You trade Jesse Winker. You trade A. Eugenio Suarez. You trade Sonny Gray. You trade Tucker Barnhart. And you place them with younger minor league players. We have seen this story before over and over and over again. So where we're trading away our stars for, quote-unquote, younger players who are going to develop into superstars. And I have yet to see it. 
That's the problem. And then when fans are upset and pissed off, you come at them and you blame them, or not blame them, just say, ah, you know, we own a team. You want to watch baseball? You got to come here. Really? Like, then I won't go. <laughs> I mean, you actually made Mike Brown seem like a really good owner, which, and then I, I don't mean that as a bad statement. Let's be honest. Mike Brown has, has, has had his flaws here in the past, over the past 20, 30 years of owning the Cincinnati Bengals. But he has changed. Katie Blackburn and Elizabeth Blackburn came in and they have listened to what the fans want. They, all the fans need to hear is we want to know, we want a winning team and we want to know that you care. You know, that statement that you said yesterday is just a big middle finger to the fan base saying, I don't care. I own the team. It's my team. It's Mountain Birds, my dad's team, you know, our family's team. You want to watch Major Baseball? You got to come here. And it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to make money anyway, which is true because baseball teams don't lose money. They don't fall in the red. I don't care. I'm so tired of hearing about these small market teams aren't making any money. They don't make as much money as the Dodgers. They don't make as much money as the Yankees. They don't, but they're not losing any money. It's, it's, it's irritating. And then for you to come out on, on opening day of all day, you ruined opening day. Of all days, when it's a citywide holiday, you know, first time in three years we've had a semi-normal opening day, which I still don't consider it normal because it wasn't actually the first game of the season. So the semi-normal one next year, hopefully, will be an actual normal one. And you come out and you do that? Like, Lance McAllister is calling for you to be to step down. I think you should. The Cancelians do not own the majority of the Cincinnati Reds. They were voted as to be the figureheads or whatever of that group. They can be voted out. You know, other the other shareholders could buy more of more of the shares and become the majority owner. I don't know, but this isn't the Bengals. When everybody kept going at the Bengals and the Browns family saying Mike Brown's got to step down and Mike Brown's got to sell a team and all stuff, and I kept saying that's never happening. This is their family business. This is. This is their business. This is their money. This is this is everything. They're not selling the team. Mike Brown is not stepping down. Luckily, Katie Blackburn and Elizabeth and everybody else in there has finally gotten him to change his ways and, and let them kind of take over. Castellini's, they're the banana man, the banana, banana people. They they have money from, from, from that. You know, they this is their fun money, I guess. This it's it's be able to own a baseball team. Well, if you want to own a baseball team in Cincinnati, Ohio, we want a winning baseball team. We want you to act like you care about us, you know, and you coming out and basically saying you don't care is what you said. And then you expect us to come out there and give us your, our hard earned money to go watch your team. Really get out of here. It's not like Ben baby said, you, you, you want change. Stop going to the games. And I think there's lots of Reds fans that are going to do that. Hey, the Bengals forever, you know, were terrible. Finally, we had enough people to stop going to games, and Mike Brown changed, and he went and hired outside and hired Marvin Lewis, and things began to change. And we had the Marvin Lewis years. Yes, we didn't win a playoff game, but they were much better than the, the decade of the 90s. Things happen again. People are getting restless, you know. We wanted a ring of honor. We wanted them to have an indoor practice facility. You know, we wanted a change in head coaching philosophy, a change in the philosophy of the way they ran the team, a change of, of going out and getting free agents. They made the change when they hired Zach Taylor, and they're they're listening to him. They have Duke Tobit. They brought Duke Tobit in as a quote-unquote player personnel rep, but we all know he's basically the GM. They made changes. The Reds made changes to the stadium. All kinds of changes to the stadium. There, there's always new new foods, new things that are there to do. They got microbrews. They got all kinds of cool stuff there. Things for your kids to do, but the team stinks. And Bob Castellini, when he bought the team, said, I'm bringing championship baseball back to Cincinnati. He fired Dusty Baker, said, I'm tired of losing. I don't want to lose anymore. Where'd that guy go? And then his son goes on the radio and basically says, take it or leave it. We could move, which he can't move. I think they got like a 50 uh, year 
lease with the, the city of Cincinnati. So that was just an ignorant. And then he doubled down on it. He doubled down on it. And the, the, the two-sentence two sentence apology? Are you serious? Like, what, what are you, what, what's going on here? You think you can just talk to us and expect us to go, oh, here, here, take my money. Here, please, please take my money. I want to go watch a crappy baseball team. No! You don't do that. Ah, very frustrating. Anyway, I had to get my little two-cent rant off there. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of you. They are Houday Nation, Houday Legion, Cincinnati Reds, Rounding Third Heading from Bearcat Ruckus, Bearcat Country, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Cave, and the, or excuse me, the Ice Bar. And you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenable. TikTok is at Iceman90. I'll be pulling out a sound later on tonight, putting on the podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. It'll be on BeanPod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Leave a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Like I said, YouTube, you guys are awesome. I'm at 1,570. That is unbelievable jump that I've made in the past week here. I'm trying to put out more content for you guys. I'm trying to do a little more short videos so you don't have to sit here and watch me for an hour. You can just watch a short five-minute uh, video, or I'm putting some shorts out there, too. They're about 15 seconds. Check those out. I'm posting stuff up on the channel all the time, different links, different stuff, different guides. So check out the channel. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. And shout-out to – I cannot. I wish I could remember who it was, uh, but I know BJ Hill You know, tweeted out saying, hey – What's good, Houday Nation? And I this is right before I was about to do the um, interview with Ben Baby. And I tweeted back. I said, nothing, just chilling here, getting ready to record an episode of my show. Would you ever be interested to get on? Because I'm always asking Bengals players if they're ever interested to get on because I don't know how else to do it. <laughs> I can't get their emails. Well, somebody follows me, and I apologize because I cannot remember um, who it was. And this is a great idea. So how cool would it be to get B.J. Hill and Jermaine Pratt on your show? Because if you ever watch or ever follow B.J. Hill and Jermaine Pratt on Twitter, they are hilarious. So, B.J. Hill, Jermaine Pratt, if you guys are interested, I would absolutely love for you guys to come on the show. Like I said, it'd be your show. We just call it the B.J. Jermaine hour, half hour, 20 minute. I don't care. Whatever you guys can come on, I would appreciate it. So, check it out. And other than that, I'll see you. Actually, I won't see you guys tomorrow. I take the bet. Tomorrow is my birthday. So I'm taking the day off tomorrow. I, as far as the live show goes, I might, I'll probably post some stuff up on the channel. And I'll do some short little videos or something. But as far as the live show goes tomorrow, um, I will not be on. Oh, Joe, you want to know about the strawberry ice swag? Um, this right here, I got, I got it on. And I got t-shirts too. Um, the website, uh, if I can uh, check it all out, make sure it's all good. I will uh, launch it tonight, and I'll tweet out the uh, the website and everything. Uh, if you guys are interested, I would appreciate it. I got I, I had the products on there as cheap as I can get them. I'm ba- I'm not making I might be making I might make a dollar on each <laughs> on each thing each one. So if 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 that, so I got them on there as, as cheap as I can. So hopefully you guys can can enjoy them and wear them out and tell everybody about strawberry ice and let's get those likes up and get those uh, subscriptions up. Basically, if you're watching the show, I got 21 people watch the show. I've got one, one thumbs up. Come on. <laughs> Hit those likes people. Hit those subscriptions. Oh, you don't care about the price show. Oh, hell for you, buddy. I'll give it to you. I'll send it to you for 50 bucks. <laughs> totally kidding. I appreciate it. Joe. I appreciate that though. But said, I'll get that out there. So like I said, no show tomorrow, no live show tomorrow. Um, Friday, I got, I got a couple big episodes. I got, I'm recording an episode with Annie Sabo, who is the daughter of my boy, Chris Sabo, my favorite player of all time. That is like, it's Pete Rose. It should be, it's Chris Sabo. Then it's Pete Rose for me. I love Sabo. So I get, I'm recording an episode with her. And then I got my boys from Cincinnati. Ace and Zim are going to be on Friday. We're going to be talking about their, their new podcast and everything that they got going on. So, like I said, no live show tomorrow, but uh, like I said, check out the channel. I'll, I'm always putting stuff up on there. And other than that, that's just sports, baby. See ya! Let's go.
sparks gonna fly The beast is awake, orange, black and white Cause when the jungle come alive Who they we igniting up Cincinnati, we gon' rise in up In the jungle, we uniting up Drippin' orange and black and white Who they when we fight Live and die in these tracks Wake up the beast, every damn day is a feast Time to bust it off the leash In the jungle, drippin' heat Cincinnati jungle fitted, who they in our house, we win it. Orange and black and white, we 